Where are all my friends? Danny Racco. Dude, of all episodes, every now and then I'll have some where I'm like, I'm fucking excited for this one. And I was telling That's you- That's awesome. Yes, yes. And I was telling you a little <laughs> bit like right before we started recording why, but it, it, I'll say it again because it's so cool. I did a live Discord hang on the podcast. I believe it was with Garden. And we were talking about like who listeners were excited to hear from. And somebody brought your name up. And that really stood out to me is like, you have made a name for yourself as someone in the industry, but also as like a young, well-respected up and comer. And that like, you don't hear that often. And we had this really cool way where we met a while ago in this full circle moment. But uh, I'm really stoked that you're down to do this episode. And I'm really excited to talk about how you built your name and how you got to where you're at. Yeah. Thank you, dude. I mean, thank you for having me. I love, I was watching some of the clips that you posted from this podcast and the energy of it is great. And the advice people are giving is awesome. So I'm excited to get into it, man. Fuck yeah. And that's like, I mean, really that is the point. And I think that's why it's why I am so excited to have you is I always wanted a tool. Like when I was like obsessed with growing in the music industry and when I was young, I found there to be very little resource of people who were down to share information and share their stories, especially behind the scenes. You could hear artist interviews, but the people that were blowing artists up and the people that were involved, it was kind of hard to get in touch with, right? And if you didn't have direct access, super hard. So I wanted to start the podcast so I could share stories like this and inspire people. So I think you kind of have that common, like wanting to give that back and want to inspire people to go do the thing. 100%. So like, I mean, thinking about when I was, you know, in high school, looking for ways to, to learn about the music business. Yeah. I was coming at it more so from an artist perspective because I wanted to be an artist at first. Okay. That's so that's how did, I got my start. That was your intention in the beginning. Yeah, you yeah. were going to do the artist thing. Yeah. A hundred percent. Okay. I wanted to be a rapper. I wanted to be Mac Miller. Mac Miller is like my favorite artist oh in high God. school. So yeah, I wanted to be Mac and I was making songs and the way that I would get information about the music business was through artists and interviews. You yeah. know, I'd watch interviews endlessly. Yes. Or like live streams because Instagram live and, you know, that wasn't a thing then, but there were these other live streams. I don't know what the platforms were where I'd watch people like Logic talk to his fans and, you know, talk about what they're experiencing and yeah. watch all their interviews. And that was how I was getting all my information then. And, you know, eventually... I uh, went to school for the music business and that was a big way that I learned a lot of stuff. No shit. So you actually like went to college or or school specifically to learn about the industry. Yeah. Well, so I guess I'll start from the beginning. Yeah. Take me back. (laughs) You're a natural. Like this is exactly how I like to jump in. So thank you. Yeah. So I started out as an artist in high school. I was a sophomore in high school trying to figure out any possible way to make songs yep. and put them on the internet. And this is before Spotify and yeah. before DistroKid and TuneCore. So it wasn't easy to upload music and have it be, you know, consumed. Yeah. It was a like little bit harder. It was like, YouTube, SoundCloud. Right. What was like the most pop in social media around that time? Vine. Oh, yeah. what a magical time. Yeah. And I used Vine. Like, I, like people are using TikTok now. I discovered Vine. Actually, one of my friends was was into Vine and he was like, dude, you should definitely get on Vine. 
start posting your songs yeah. and try to you know build up a fan base through that. And I thought it was genius. So I got on there and I saw how all these people were using Vine yeah. to build fan bases, not around music necessarily, but it's around you know influencers. Comedy too. That was a big one. I remember a lot of comedians. Definitely. Vine. Yeah. Definitely. So many different you know industries that were getting followings yeah. on on vine so i started posting my raps six seconds is all you had compared to now tiktok you get yeah like a minute a minute and a half two minutes i mean you can even do three minutes now i think yeah yeah but all you six had was seconds. six seconds and i had to make a song that would loop perfectly with just six seconds so i was making these six second songs yeah. And it started to do pretty well. I mean, there was no algorithm on Vine also. Mm. With TikTok, you can just, it knows what you want and it knows how yeah. to, you know. It's a very good algorithm yeah. at this point. They've had a lot of time, yeah. a lot of it's data. It's incredible. I love that. It. Yeah. But with Vine, it was solely dependent on reposts. Like Twitter. Yeah. But yeah. Twitter even now has an algorithm. True. Yes. But what Twitter used to be, where yes. it was just reposts, yeah. retweets. Yeah. So anyway, all that to say, it was it was hard to yeah. to build a following. You had to do all these different things to build followings and you had to make good videos too. So I was posting my songs and eventually some of them started to catch and some of them started to go viral. And that was cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Holy shit. And where were you growing up? Uh, New Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What was the music scene like there? Like were you an out um, like were you an outcast or did you have friends that were also in it? Like did no. you have anyone that you could be like yo, I just figured this out or were you kind of like flying solo? At there? the start, I was definitely flying solo yeah. and a lot of people in my town didn't understand why someone would do something that was out of the ordinary. Yeah. And because of that, I lost a lot of friends like no in high shit. school. Yeah. Because I think people didn't really understand or appreciate, you know, somebody who's doing something different. Yeah. And yeah, there was a lot of people that hated on me in my high school too that, you know, didn't fuck with what I was doing. Yeah. And I just really always had a tunnel vision for my goals and I would use it. And I, I literally, you know, when I was doing the vines and I, when I was becoming vine famous, because I eventually, you know, built up my following to around 130,000 followers on vine. Wow. And Holy fuck. that was a lot, like that was a lot for vine. As I'm saying, TikTok, like 130,000 followers, it's a little bit easier to get, but exactly. vine, it, was, it was hard. There was less of a user base, 130,000 yeah. on there with a plot. I mean, I don't know the numbers, but like yeah. it, it never caught like TikTok. Did. Yeah. So that's a lot of fucking, it was people. a lot of work that I had to do to get to that point. Yeah. And yeah, while I was building that, a lot of people in high school, like we're not fucking with that. And that was fine because yeah. I would just hear all that and I would go back to my house, lock myself in my basement and make, you know, a f 10 more that night. And just like, I would just head down, keep building what I was building. Yeah, it was fuel. And I knew it was a stepping stone to whatever I was going to do next. Yeah. Yeah. That's like how I got my start was on Vine. Okay. So then my <clears> immediate <throat> question then is like, in high school, you're an artist, you do the thing, you actually become Vine famous to that yeah. degree. But here you are sitting down and you are not an artist. No. So did you get to like, where is that crossroads? Yeah. That's insane. Before Vine. Yeah. I guess I didn't even quite start the Dude, beginning. take me back. This is, <laughs> Before I'm Before Vine, I was making, the first song I ever made yeah. was for my math class. <laughs> it was an extra credit assignment. Okay. And it was actually 
to crank that by Soldier Boy. Incredible. I made a song to PEMDAS. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. It was <laughs> anyway, that's how I wrote my first song. And I and I realized that I had a gift for it, I think, you know, when I was in sixth grade. Wow. And I started to write more. Like you understood write, melodies, yeah. you understood yeah. like the the structure of a yeah. song. I think it was like lyrics mm. and because I like to write poetry before that. So it was lyrics for me and then Got melodies it. a little bit oh, too. I see. Okay. I started writing songs in sixth, seventh grade. Okay. And I started recording on like a little snowball microphone on GarageBand, just Yo. these stupid songs. They were not good at all. But I was, you know, getting my hours in. Yeah. And I went on Facebook one day mm-hmm. and I saw a post from a mutual friend. Yeah. And it was the same thing, a song made in school. And it was the neighboring school. Yeah. So I'm from a town called Wyckoff in New <laughs> Jersey. And this was from Franklin Lakes, which is right next door. Okay. And it was by, you know, Jeremy Zucker and one of my our mutual friends. And I saw this and I listened to it and it was actually really good. Like oh, it was just geez. a joke song Stop. about math. It was also, <laughs> you guys both wrote PEMDAS songs. You're like, brother. Yo, it was like, it was, it was really fate that I had to hear that. And I thought I, you know, it was, it was like four different kids rapping on this song. Yeah. And when I heard Jeremy's verse, I was like, this kid is really fucking talented. Holy shit. And it turns out we went to the same temple, like synagogue. We're both Jewish. No and so like our version of Sunday school. Yeah. I'd never really spoken to him before, but he was you know, there every like Sunday. Legit so. same proximity. Like yeah. same neighboring areas. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So after I heard that song, I just went up to him and I was like, hey man, like I heard your song on Facebook. I'm doing the same thing like in my school and I think it's so cool and I would love to just hang out with you and make try to make a song. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, like that's, that's so sick. Like let's definitely do it. And so the first weekend we hung out, we made like three or four songs. No way. And those songs, we ended up making a group together in middle school. And uh, I was writing a lot of lyrics. He was singing a lot of the songs. Yeah. I was rapping on some of them. He was yeah. making all the beats, producing them, garage wow. band. And we started releasing music together in middle school. Oh my God. Yeah. So then by the time you get to high school and you're figuring Vine out, right, exactly. you actually already have a fucking great product. Yeah. Because I would have to imagine even early Jeremy Zucker is somewhat of the Jeremy Zucker that I know now that yeah. is fucking great. It was. And he would say, oh, that shit was so cringe. It was yeah. so bad. But it was ac- there was a lot of potential there and you, yeah. could, you could hear it. I think everyone could hear it. That was hearing the early Jeremy Zucker. Oh my God. And yeah. So when I started you know, building this fan base on Vine for my own stuff yeah. when I was rapping, yeah. Jeremy was studying abroad in Israel for like six months in high school. He did like, yeah, this this Israeli program. Okay. And I texted him and I was like, yo, like this this is starting to move on on, Vine. Vine. Yeah. And he responded, he was like, holy shit, we have to concentrate on this. And so he started producing the songs that I was rapping on during this Vine time and he was producing them. And the production was just, incredible to me like it was like the most incredible beats like way better than anything i was finding online on youtube so it was almost a flip where he was the producer and you were the artist yeah except the choruses that i couldn't sing he would sing like he would start jumping on and he would add his flavor and he would 
sometimes feature on verses. Like so he was getting were, involved. Yeah, too. like you were like a full on like duo or group in a sense of like very collaborative. Yeah, we were collaborating yeah, yeah. all the time. That started to, you know, build up that whole time I was thinking in my head. And this is where I think the transformation started for me yeah. from artist to business was during this time I was working with Jeremy. Yeah. Because it was very clear to me yeah. during those days that he's the star. Like Whoa. he's the one that should be at the front. What an insane self-awareness. What yeah. made you think that? I just saw how talented he was. And I was like, he is so much better than I am when it comes to making songs. And his artistry was just, it was so clear to me. Well, I always believed in him from day one. Yeah. And I always pushed him to fully focus on music because he wasn't fully focusing on music in high school and even in the early days of college. I think when he went to college freshman year, that's when we really like locked in on it. That's just crazy self-awareness and lack of ego, right? Like I think that a lot of people want that that light for themselves. So for you at that very early age, yeah. high school days to be like, yo, like he's the fucking yeah. star. Like that that's just unique to me. I don't yeah. know what else to say, right? Like that's a very interesting part of your story where you had that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And also, to be honest, I lost a passion for it in terms of writing for myself. Interesting. Like, I wasn't passionate about making songs for me. Anymore. Wow. And that happened early college. I started realizing that. I would, I would sit down, try to make songs for me and be like, none of this feels right. Yet you still had the spark and the excitement about his project? About his project, 100%. Wild. Yeah. Okay, cool. And that's, so when I was looking at colleges, yeah, I... In my head, I was like, man, I don't need college. Like, I'm just going to do music. I'm going to be a famous rapper. Yeah. I don't need any of this. And my mom was like, you need to go to college. Yeah. But here, look at this program that I found at Syracuse University. Oh, shit. The Bandier program. Oh, shit. Yeah, for music business. And I was like, okay, this makes sense. I'll have a plan B just yeah. in case. Yeah. And so I applied to the program. I ended up getting in. It's a, it's a great program, incredible program. Amazing. And uh, and where did he go to college? He went to Colorado College. Okay, so you're, you're distant. So we're, yeah, okay. we're completely opposite sides. Yeah. And he got there and he started working on this, uh, his first EP. And he was, you know, hitting me up, asking for my opinion. And I was featuring on a few songs and we were still working. When I was studying the business at Syracuse, that's when I realized that I wanted to be a manager. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. So it's the perfect storm yeah. where you had believed in him, his artist project or like his, him as a, an artist, yeah. you saw it, you saw the talent. Yeah. You're then going to Syracuse learning about that. And you're like, oh fuck, I can manage. Yeah. Oh wow. And it started really because we had to do three internships mm. through Bandier. Mm. And the first, usually did it in the summer, mm -hmm. first summer, me and Jeremy had an idea. We we're going to take the summer, go live down the shore, his, his parents have a shore house, mm. and we were going to live down there, lifeguard, and make an album. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. And so that's what we did that first summer. And so I, I didn't intern. I took the summer off, mm -hmm. and we made an album. And that album is called Beach Island or an EP. I'm not sure exactly which one it is, but yeah, yeah that was like his first- That was uh, the beginning. Yeah, or, that was, that was mean, really the beginning. A, a public-facing beginning, yeah. 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 Oh, my God. And then when I got back to uh, to Syracuse my sophomore year, that was like when I really realized, all right, I want to help promote this project. Yeah, because now you had yeah. something tangible. Now you had yeah. this this album that you guys had worked on yeah. and you were like, 
I have skin in the game. What do I do to make this huge? Yeah, it was funny. There was like these speakers that would come in every week yeah. to Bandier and speak to the class. A&Rs at record labels, presidents of labels, booking agents, lawyers, like all these yeah, really like cool titles yeah. in it. Yeah. We can have this thing where, you know, it's small, there's only 25 kids per year. So it's a small group of people. Oh, wow. And so everyone would get the opportunity afterwards to, you know, give like an elevator pitch. Most people try to get internships. Yeah. That you like line up to speak to the person. Yeah. And you only Somebody. get a few minutes and you got to try to stand out. Every single one of those, I would write down on a piece of paper, Jeremy Sucker, you know, and I'd write, you know, Beach Island. I'd write the song and I'd just try to get everyone to listen to it. Nobody did. <laughs> oh my God. Nobody really did. That's correct. I thought you were going to say something else. I thought you were going to be like, dude, they, three minutes. You're like, I'm dialed. I had six seconds on Vine. That shit was easy. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah. it stood out to you where like you weren't being like, yo, let me work at your label. You were like Jeremy Zucker. No, yeah. I think yeah. that's something that I was always focused on was I just started doing something early yeah. on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's like one of my biggest pieces of advice oh, to people yeah it's just like if you want to be in the music business yeah start working with someone that you're close to wow. start working with someone that's at your level if you're starting from you know ground zero yeah find an artist that's also on ground zero interesting yeah. i forget who it was on this podcast but they said something similar where they were like don't chase like the big fish like don't go and look at like oh this person's killing it like literally grow parallel like grow with yeah. people that are at your level and then yeah. you're all, you rise together. Yeah. And that exactly. really, like, I still think about that. Yeah. Because one, you get experience, right? Yeah. And two, there's a real chance that you can build with that person right. Right, to the level that now you have the connections that you once didn't have, or now you have yeah. the opportunities now that you once didn't have. Wow. So like your start with Jeremy and those early days of being on that same level was like, massively formative for oh you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like a hundred percent and it opened the door for me to yeah. get my start in the music yeah. business do you think because i'm curious like obviously i know the success of jeremy but do you think that those early days like you have a project to work on like promoting it like finding a way to stand out was that a part of your career that was big then like I, i'd imagine you had experience with vine you had figured out how to like become vine famous and like build like a real following were you able to apply something then like did you learn about diy promotion like did you have success growing that there so looking back on it yeah for me my philosophy is always music first okay I'm oh, a wow. music first person so Whoa. like i want to make sure the songs are as good as they could possibly be because i'm a believer that things organically grow. If you have Whoa, a great okay. song, if one person hears it, odds are they're going to send it to five of their friends. So like that's the type of song that you want to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's going to naturally start to spread. Yes, you can do things on top of it, and I do do things on top of it and get really creative with those things. But if at your core you don't have a great song that's going to do some of the work on its own and have its own legs, you're kind of dead in the water, you and, know, like, yeah. yeah. And then so, like almost what's the point? Like yeah. why put the resource into it? So in those early, early Jeremy days, we had really good music yeah. and it had the power to spread organically. And on top of that, yeah, like we were, you know, 
I was promoting him on my Vine. We had a few like SoundCloud channels. Yeah. Because it was SoundCloud and YouTube then. Yep. So a few SoundCloud channels were reposting him, which was really helping. Sick. Uh, I figured out what DistroKid, or it was actually TuneCore at yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. TuneCore, yeah. This is early Spotify days. Yep. So I figured out what TuneCore was. Yep. And I posted his songs, which had been on SoundCloud for maybe six months now. Yep. And it just started getting pick, picked up in the algorithm. And Whoa. Discover Weekly was really big back then. It helped boost his streams. And next thing we knew, he after Beach Island, he released this project called Breathe. Mm. And Breathe started really picking up. Next thing we knew, every song pretty much had 100,000 streams, which is a really big step for us. Yeah. And I'm- I was also like featured on that project one of the songs about it i'm featured on as a rapper this is when i'm managing him too uh that one got like i think our first playlist which was the first fresh finds spotify ever oh my god og fresh finds oh wow i miss those days okay wow yeah so that helped a lot yeah for sure that's interesting. I'm just trying to like dissect that moment because like what a crazy magical time. Yeah. But it sounds like it really was a combination of you guys giving a shit and like doing everything you could to promote it. But also I love that you said that like music first. Yeah. And when I think about early Jeremy Zucker, like at the beginning of what I heard, like it was undeniable. I was like, this is fucking great. Yeah. So that's cool that I don't know. You just have really good values from an early age. Like yeah. it sometimes takes people a pretty decent amount of time to learn those. Well, things. I don't know if I knew it then, but I. But looking, oh. I will. You know, I think in my gut, yeah, I knew it. Could you articulate that? But and did say I know it in my? It yeah, yeah. Interesting. And my gut instinct is something still to this day. Yeah. That I trust fully, yeah. and I think you know steers me in the right direction Dude. in this business. Yeah. Fuck, like already this far into the podcast like the values that you've shared in this story like i'm inspired and i'm like fuck like (laughs) stop worrying about anything like just make dope shit and like that it's just this is cool this is really cool so the thing is like i think a lot of people are gonna think that's not true i make great music and it hasn't done anything yeah so what do you say to that i say it's probably not great music wow um, and I think that's a harsh reality that people sometimes don't want to look at. Yeah. Because believe it or not, it's it, there's not a lot of great songs out there. And I'm not saying necessarily that, you know, the early, early Jeremy stuff was like great and like the best. Right. They were good to the point where they could build a fan base. And I yeah. feel like at least it has to be at that level mm-hmm. where you know the songs are good enough to organically spread. And then you could do the little things on top that will help, you know? Yeah. But I think a lot of people don't realize that it takes 10,000 hours of perfecting their craft, of production, of songwriting, of singing. Like, it's not easy. I'm a big 10,000 hours guy. And if it is easy and it just takes off like that, a lot of times that doesn't sustain. That's just like a... Yeah. That's luck. Yeah, yeah. You'll have those flash in the pan moments, but then it's that much harder to sustain it because you don't have the hours in to know what to do next. And wow. I mean, dude, again, that's great advice. And it is like, it takes a certain amount of self-awareness to be like, to think you're great and to be like, why isn't it there for me yet? But then to like, look in, like to, to look inward and be like, maybe it can be better. Yeah. Yeah. So you start to have that go. You're managing him. 
Yeah. You're in school. I don't think I was actually managing him. Then. Oh, okay. I You're was managing him, but like not on official. We title. never had a management type of conversation. Yeah. And the way it actually progressed was I got an internship at RCA in okay. A&R. Okay. And I was pitching them things and it was, it was the best internship experience that I had. Yep. And I, we had this presentation that we had to prepare for the A&R, you know, division of RCA. Yeah. The intern has to pitch an artist. Oh shit. To the A&R department. Okay. And so I pitched Jeremy and they were super, super like, they were like, this is, this is cool, you know? And my supervisor, who's no longer at RCA, yeah. came up to me afterwards and was like, are you managing this kid? And I was like, uh, I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, like, you spoke about him as if you were his manager. And I think you should like be his manager if you're not, because you seemed like his manager up there. Wow. And I was like, you know what? I got up from my desk. I called Jeremy literally at RCA Dude. during my internship. It's like, hey, man, I think I should be your manager. Um, and so that's how I started managing oh, him. Shout know? out to that guy yeah. that said that to you. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And so I managed him for about, you know, that was probably my junior year. So it was probably like a year and a half after that. But I had been kind of like his best friend manager. Yep. Yep. For a few You were doing the that. steps. You were going through the motions. Yeah. But that's when yeah. it clicked. I also feel like this is a lesson that you can't, like, it's not something that you can immediately apply yourself. But I, I wish more people would see talent in people and state it. Like shouts to that guy that was like, you spoke like yeah. you were a manager. Like I didn't realize in my early days when I first started tour managing, I didn't know tour managing was a thing. But our manager at the time, I was telling Merch and he's like, you should be the tour manager. Like you do all these things. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Right. <laughs> that was a huge part of yeah. my career and learning that. Yeah. So like shout out to the people that see talent in people and say like, you should yeah. do this because maybe you don't even realize that's a title. Right. So whatever that is universe, I hope that continues to get paid forward. I agree. And um, and yeah, I think that part of it is when you're in that position, you're not sure that you are that or you can be that. I think it's just taking advice from people now who are in that position that it just takes doing it mm. to figure it out mm. because nobody really knows what they're doing yeah. and everyone's kind of faking it until they make it. Yeah. So just go for it and learn as you go because mm. that's what everyone did and what everyone's doing most of the time. Yeah. I mean, you got to like do your research and, you know, read the books, look at the interviews, as much access to information as you can. Yep. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is just going for it and figuring it out. There's a saying that's been echoing in my head lately. A, a friend of mine has been saying it to me and it's so simple and stupid, yet it's literally everything and it's all you need. And he's like, there's nothing to it but to do it. Yeah. And I like it, yeah. it's so simple and yeah. stupid, but I'm like, actually, though, yeah. anytime you're caught up on something, anytime you're like in a dilemma, should I do this or not? Like whatever, yeah. just fucking do it. Yeah. Just do it. Just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. So that's a huge moment. You become his manager. Yeah. And I also, there's a time. So when we first met, another part of your story that I'm curious on is you have a really good ear for finding talent early. Thank you. And I'm curious when this started because you called me. I forget what label you were working at, but it was you were doing something. You were working at a label as some type of AR discovery. And you found Savage Gasp so fucking early. 
And it was when I was helping him like in the very, very beginning. Wow, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. And you found that shit early. And for a listener that doesn't know him, I mean, he definitely popped off and yeah. has had several songs yeah, now, like millions of monthly listeners and like huge following now. But like, this is when he was like one or maybe, maybe five songs on SoundCloud, like so early. Yeah. And I was just helping him. And you were the only person from a label that found it that early and you hit me up. And that always stood out to me with you. Yeah. But I'm curious, like, what else were you finding? And when did that start? Where was yeah. it? Where did it start going from just Jeremy to you finding other magnificent stuff early? During college, I really started to dig into the depths of Spotify mm. and like related artists and their related related artists mm -hmm. really like going into holes on Spotify. Yeah. And my goal was to find more people, you know, uh, early on like I yeah. did with Jeremy. Yeah. And I was also trying to get a job as an A&R out of, out of school. Okay. So that's why Mm. I was doing it. Well, part of the reason why I was doing it. And I was finding a lot of these cool artists early and I was reaching out to them and I was pitching them to labels. Anybody who would take my emails, I was pitching them new artists. So that's when I really wow. started to start like the A&R scouting process. Was, you were just was during on college. genuine grind, like yeah. trying to find shit. Yeah. And I think that in terms of when I knew that like I had that gift, I don't think I realized then, mm. but you know, in hindsight, yeah, for sure. And uh, I think it was just like I said, trusting my gut instinct because it's really just a feeling. Like you can't teach that. Yeah, it's just something that you feel. And I think that certain people can really feel like the potential yep. that an artist has, yeah. even in those early days. Yeah, and that's what I love to get involved with is artists that are starting from zero, from scratch. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. And it's all the artists that I've worked with, we've started from ground zero. Why is that? Do you think that you can help tell the beginning of the story and like build like a better foundation when you start at zero? I think it, I just love to be in during those days mm. and then be a part of the pro like that's why I do it is mm. because I love the process of like taking somebody or helping somebody you know realize their full potential in those early days and knowing where they can be in a year or two years and then seeing it come to life like yeah that's why I do this that's why I work in music is fuck that's and cool. it, to not be able to witness that yeah doesn't feel worth it to me oh, to get wow. involved like when somebody has a million followers on TikTok already mm -hmm. or whatever, it just, mm -hmm. it's not as exciting or fulfilling. You're missing your favorite part. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Fuck, that's so cool. Because another one that's a big piece of your career and your story is you found break-ins super early, right? Yeah. So when does that happen? So I'd stopped working with Jeremy right when I graduated college, like right yeah. around when I was graduating. I was like, fuck, what am I going to do now? Yeah. Because Jeremy wasn't as big as he is now. Yeah. So when I was looking at A&R positions, there weren't labels that were willing to be like, sure, like you can be an A&R manager and here, mm. take this job. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of people being like, well, you could be an assistant. And I just knew in my heart that I would be the worst assistant of all time. Because you knew you didn't want that. Like that wasn't yeah. your path, right? It wasn't my path. Yeah. yeah. 
So I was trying to find like a work a workaround mm-hmm. and it wasn't really happening. For six months, I lived at home. My parents were like, you have until this day and then you got to be out of here. Damn. And I started working with new artists that I was managing. Mm-hmm. And Breakins was somebody that I found probably like three months into this six months, you know, at my parents' yeah. house. Wow. A friend sent me Sunder on SoundCloud. And he was oh, like, yeah, wow. I think you'd really love this song. And the first time I listened to it, it was instant. Yeah. Blown away. Yeah. The production, the voice. So unique. Yeah. I got on a call with him the next day. And to hear that it was just a 16-year-old kid in Ohio with mm-hmm. that deep of a voice mm-hmm. blew my mind. Yeah. And it was so interesting to me. And I I told him I like on that first phone call, by the end of it, I I would think I was his manager by the end of that first phone call. Wow. We started immediately planning just because of like such a connection. Yeah. Like your excitement and then him like yeah. feeling that. Yeah. Yeah. I I told him to delete every picture of himself online on that first phone call. And uh, yeah, the next day, Jeremy posted one of his songs on his Instagram story. And I didn't even ask him to. No, I just sent, you I would just, just send it to me yeah. like, this is so sick, like, dude, look what out. I found. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then immediately the story started to build. The intention, because when I first found Breakins, I thought he sounded like, I was genuinely considering the possibility that it might be an Eden side project. yes. And oh I think God. a lot of people were. But, yeah. but I that was the first thing that I thought. So I was like, oh shit, like this could be a cool, interesting introduction. So I wanted to create a mystery around his persona. To let other people think. To let people if. just wonder like, what yeah. could this be? Yeah. I didn't necessarily want to, I wasn't like trying to like, like steal Eden's, we weren't trying to like right, steal you weren't Eden's trying. Yeah, yeah, It was yeah. just, let's leave this up to interpretation yeah. a little bit. And Brilliant. literally at, right after Jeremy posted it, the Reddit server was like, and Eden's Reddit server was like, who is this? Like, is this Eden? Like, is this a copycat? People started fighting. And that's kind of what got the ball rolling at the beginning. And it became very clear uh, from Breakins that, you know, let's move away from this Eden thing. Mm. And we did with mm-hmm. Punk too. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the beginning, it, that's what helps, you know, get the story going. Yeah, and it was really Holy interesting, and it led us to that moment God. where we were able to have this exciting, you know, music video to reveal his face. Yeah, so that was so cool. Still, Punk Two is like one of my favorite uh, releases that I got to be part of because it was just so exciting and interesting. I think to the fans and to us, it's cool because I was a fan of that. Like yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess we had known each other, but it's not like we were talking. Like yeah. I literally just watched that happen and found it. However, I found it probably through the internet doing the magic of the internet. Yeah. But I was watching that from the sidelines as a fan being like, what the fuck is this? This is so sick. Hearing punk too. And being like, what the fuck is this? Like it literally worked like as a fan on the outside, you're telling this and I'm like, yeah, I was one of those. Like, that's so crazy. That's wildly cool to hear that and to hear, because I think like, 
I don't know if you realize how brilliant that was, but like the delete every photo and like that mystery around it, like it fucking worked, dude. Yeah. And it was such like a, maybe it's not revolutionary, but it was exactly what yeah. it needed to be. It, it had been done before, but this was unique because of how similar the early stuff sounded to Eden. Yeah. And because of the nature of Breakins' music, it yeah. just, and you know, even the name Breakins, like it just, made so much sense to me to be mysterious at the beginning yeah and to lead up to something god that's yeah. so sick i have another question like as i do these i try to think of a listener that isn't here that would be like yeah yeah, yeah but what if and i was thinking about this and i think maybe a natural skill that you have but you could probably speak to and give good advice is you were saying like you were doing so much music discovery and you were so excited about finding these artists from the beginning what is your advice to actually reaching out? Because, right, you're saying, oh, we got on a phone call. But, like, what is that moment? Like, were you sending DMs? Were you sending long messages? Were you sending short messages? Like, what is a good way? To break-ins when I first reached out Well, to yeah, him. but, like, I guess the general question of, like, if you are looking to connect with artists or people that you haven't met, yeah. like, what is that? If you're a manager, if you want to collab, like, that, right. the art of the DM or the reach out, there yeah. is something there. Like, what do you say to that? Like, what was your successful action or what do you think the best way for people that don't know each other to reach out is? Yeah, I think I was in a unique position when I reached out to Breakins because I had the proof of Jeremy, you sure. know, like yeah. that was starting to move. Yeah. So that's what helped me reach out to the new artists that I was reaching out to. But before that, I would say, it's just providing value. Mm. Like, how can you help that person? Mm. And, you know, the majority of the time, I was doing it for free early. Mm. Like, I wasn't asking for any money mm -hmm. from Jeremy, like in the early days, from break-ins for the first year that I managed him. Like, yeah, it, it was just about money this, you at it. the beginning. Yeah, um, I knew that would get taken care of. Mm -hmm. But it was, let me provide value, show you what I could do and how I can help you. And there's really no loss for them because they're not even paying me at the beginning. It's just right. like, let me show you how we can work together. So like, I guess the idea of like, if you hit somebody up, don't come from the space of lack or put me on, come from the space of like, hey, I love what you're doing. I can help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. but also only reaching out to people that you know you can add value to. Oh, shit. So you not know? just casting a giant fishing net, yeah. but like very selectively being like you, like specifically, this yeah. is sick. Damn. Yeah. And that kind of comes back to me to like this authenticity that I feel in your whole story of like, make great shit, do the stuff you believe in. Like, yeah. it's not like you were really like chasing cloud or chasing something. It was chasing good music that you believed in. 100%. Yeah. 100%. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool to hear. Yeah. Damn. Okay, so break-in starts working. Well, I guess even before that, because I found him right before I started at Electra. Oh, my God. So I found break-ins, mm -hmm. and I was managing him, and I was trying to find that workaround, you know? Oh, my God, that's right. That's what you're saying. To being an A&R. Yes. And, but I didn't know it was going to be an A&R. I thought maybe, okay, maybe I'll do management. I was talking to a few different people about potential jobs because yeah. I wasn't really making money then from the music, from the songwriting royalties. Like things weren't really there yet for me to, to just not have a Whoa. job. So what an interesting fucking spot in your career where you're yeah. clearly having success. Like Jeremy Zucker yeah. is like successful. Break-ins is 
getting noticed by the proper industry. You're getting some amount of songwriting credit. Yeah. You're getting internships at real places. You can see that you have this talent and this yeah. gift, but it's not actually yeah. paying off in any way. It was definitely an in-between period for Whoa. me. And uh, I knew, and yeah, I knew that my time was coming, but yeah, it was just about, you know, taking the right next steps. And like, I knew that like songwriting royalties would be coming eventually, but they weren't coming anytime soon. It takes a while to collect songwriting royalties, especially when you first sign up. Right. So I was looking for a job and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I wanted to move to LA. I was still living in New Jersey, my parents' home at this time. Wow. So I bought a one-way ticket to move to LA. And Jeremy was coming out to LA for something. And he was like, yeah, you can crash on my hotel couch for a little bit if you need to. Yeah. I was like, all right, cool. So I'm a week away from this one-way flight to move to LA. And I got a meeting through the Bandier program. Mm-hmm. Basically, the Bandier program's advisor sent mm-hmm. out a mass email to everyone. was like, hey, Electra is looking for a junior A&R. I didn't even know what that was. Like, mm-hmm. what's a junior A&R? I have mm-hmm. no idea. But it sounded not like an assistant. So I was interested. I sent my resume Mm. And I'm sure a bunch of other people did, but he, you know, the president of Electra mm. at the time reached out and said, you know, I want to interview this, this kid, Danny. And I was like, all right, this is sweet. And so I got on the phone. Then a week later, one week before my flight, we met in person at the Warner office. In New York. In New York. Yeah. And uh, we really hit it off. And he offered me the job like the next day. And it was, you know, this... Junior this, A&R. Yeah, junior A&R position where I had the freedom to look for artists and to sign artists to, to Electra. Yeah. And I learned so much while I was at Electra, like especially from Greg Nadell, yeah. who uh, was president. And he was really super involved in the A&R process and taught me so much when it comes to artist discovery and like kind of meeting artists and being able to kind of even train my muscle yeah. of A&R mm. and like what I'm looking for and how to feel it. Yeah. It's kind of hard to describe, but he helped me really train that muscle, I think. It's crazy. I need to do a, a podcast with him because the amount of times he has come up in stories he's on this like, show. like genuine good people. Like he, you know, yeah. He's like one of those outliers. Like that's yeah. a name that you just hear over and over yeah. and over again. And that's so cool. And also, we were similar- Yes. In the sense that we were both marketing minded and AR minded. And wow. That's what I think really connected us. So, yeah, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say so you, I think it's important because I couldn't actually properly tell you what did you learn was the difference between AR assistant and junior AR? Because that's another valuable thing yeah. to share. Yeah. So, an AR assistant, essentially, you're an assistant to somebody else who's, you know, has their own you know, day of tasks and you're assisting them in those tasks, mm-hmm. scheduling calendars, booking yep. flights, hotels. And they have their own roster you of know, artists. They take reservations, care of. they have their own roster of artists and you're helping them with their day-to-day tasks as an assistant does. Mm. And a junior A&R, at least, you know, in this specific role at Electra, was you show up, it's your day, look for artists, come to the meetings for A&R meetings. Yep. And pitch us 
what you want to sign. Crazy. And then we'll talk with you and improve whether we want to sign it or not. Crazy. So, so I was just coming to them with with artists that I wanted to sign and so like going to the meetings and stuff. Probably full A and R privilege, but with probably less pay than the established ones and yeah. like more of like a, I gotta prove it. Type. Yeah. And it was honestly, it was solid pay for like the first job. Like amazing. It was it was the ideal situation. I had amazing. freedom and you I could had still manage Jeremy and Breakins? Yeah. So I came in, I wasn't managing Jeremy anymore. Oh, right, I right, right. Yeah, you guys Jeremy, had, yeah, like yeah. right before I graduated. But I came in with Breakins. And um and yeah, that's what actually ended up, you know, driving me to leave Electra was when the break and stuff really started picking up and I realized that I loved managing oh. and I loved AR too. Yeah. But I just knew that if I was giving my everything to Breakins that and I was doing the job the way I wanted to, mm-hmm. it was gonna build to the point where I was gonna kind of have to make a decision like where am I putting my time? Mm. And I didn't feel comfortable talking to new artists and looking for new artists to sign. <laughs> Did the mic pick that up? <laughs> I don't know. If the mic it's picked okay. it up. I have a haunted Xbox that just turns oh, on sick. and it's connected to that speaker. That was cool. <laughs> yeah, that was sick. So you were, yes, you wanted to give it proper time. Yeah, yeah. So I knew that if I was doing my job the way that I wanted to do my job, I was going to have to kind of decide between them. And I didn't feel comfortable reaching out to new artists and working with new artists. Yeah. If the potential of me leaving was on the horizon, like if I was going to yeah. leave in six months. Right. You didn't want to leave him behind. You didn't want to like commit to something any and new get artists. married to this artist yeah. and be like, all right, I'm out. Good luck. Yeah. Wow. So I decided to leave and, um, and yeah, I was just managing break-ins. Wow. Like full time when I left. I think that's also a, val- a valuable part of your career. I'd have to imagine because again, it sounds like a long, like, this is why I wanted to talk to you, is you can think you want to work in the music industry, and there's so many different positions. And to find your place and to, with confidence, know that it's like, I want to be a manager, not an A&R. Like, I tried managing, and like, that shit's not for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't do it the way that the greats do. Yeah. But it's like, I'm so impressed by your story of genuinely trying these positions and learning because you really found what your your gift was and where you really wanted to be. Yeah, and to me, as a manager, especially in the early days and when I like to get involved with artists, I am the A&R. I am the label. I am yeah. the marketing person. I am the PR yep. person. Like, you're kind of everything. Yep. So, yeah, I think that I could still do, I still do A&R as a manager. Like, I still, yes, you know, I still like listen to all the songs and go back and forth with all the artists I work with on like, yes. how can we improve the songs? What could be better? And yep. yeah, so I'm really like in the weeds on on the music side of things. And it gives you, you can do that better now too, because you've had the experience at a label. You understand what labels look for. You understand what those meetings are. So when you're doing that early as a manager, you can go to your artist and be like, look, like this is what we need to have dialed. This is what labels are going to look for. This is what can make you more valuable. And you know that from firsthand experience, Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. It was pretty cool to, because right when I left Electra. We started, you know, around the time where I was deciding whether I was going to leave, we started getting, you know, I had other A&Rs reaching out to me about break-ins, like wanting to sign break-ins. Oh, shit. While I was still at Electra, And And you then probably knew how the label game went. Yeah, I I knew how the labels, (laughs) I knew how it worked. So 
I had been in those meetings from the label perspective so many times for a year and a half. Yeah. So it it was cool to see the other side of it, you know, to now mm-hmm. be like, okay, now I am the person in the room that I was just talking to. Yes. And you probably knew the right things to say and you knew the right things to look for that made a good deal and the right label that yeah. would have you as like the best fit. Yeah. Wow. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. And also makes you such a more valuable manager like to break in. It's like, my God, like what a what a blessing to have somebody that gets it like that. Yeah. That's cool. So you leave Electra, you're all in on break-ins. Now you're even further along in your career is that you have more than just break-ins yeah. and you're doing even more. So how does that progression go? Yeah. Um, so probably the next, the day after, literally the day after I quit, I found another artist who I don't work with anymore either. Okay. But his name's Steven Sanchez. Okay. And immediately signed him. I thought I was, you know, he's so talented. I'd met with him. I saw him on TikTok and mm. I was blown away. And we kind of immediately jumped into, you know, another record deal with Republic Records. Wow. And, you know, that built up very quickly. And that was probably two years ago. Mm. And now Steven Sanchez is having a moment where I think his song, I Found You, is in the top 50 global on Spotify. Oh my God. So we worked together for about six months. It didn't work out between us. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's Another moment of like you finding early talent. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And that was right before that, actually. Right when I left and was working with Breakins, I got, you know, in contact and started, you know, catching up with one of my close music industry friends who works at Republic. Mm-hmm. And he had signed Jeremy. And so we'd worked together oh, on wow. Jeremy a so bunch. You go way back. Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, had saw what I'd done with other these other artists that I was working with since Jeremy. And he brought up the idea of doing a joint venture with Republic where I could, you know, work with artists from the label side. And that was exciting to me, especially because like I love A and R. And so this mm-hmm. was another opportunity for me to go back to the label side mm-hmm. in a way that was more exciting to me where I could yes. look for new artists to sign and yeah. and just get in with from ground zero, like I always love to do. But, you know be the label with Republic. Right. Like that's also then sick because now it's this perfect progression that makes sense to me where it's like, you know what it's like to work at a label. You know what it's like to like find the artist that fits for the label. You know what it's like to be the manager and need to find the right label for the artist. And now you have a joint venture where you can be the right label for artists, but you don't have to be. You can find an artist and manage them, but you now have this resource that you can control with somebody that's an OG homie. Yeah. It was the ideal situation. It was right when I left Electra. So it was, it was the perfect, perfect world for me. Um, and that was probably a year and a half ago. And I didn't sign anything for the first pretty much year and a half that oh, I had shit. the label. It was because I just did, I couldn't find anything that, that checked all the boxes that I was trying to check in my mind. Mm. And like, you know, somebody that was, early enough that I could get involved how I like to get involved mm-hmm. and somebody that has the music that I feel like I can add value to. Mm. And that just was the whole package to me of what I wanted to work with. So it took, yeah, it took a while, like a year and a half 
Um, and just now I'm, I just, you know, found an artist that we're currently signing oh my that God. I won't say his name yet, yeah. but by the time this comes out, maybe it might be, you know, public, but he's like, yeah, no music out on Spotify. Yeah. Uh, wow. like, so it's day one. It's, it's early. It's, yeah, it's the super beginning. early days. Like he had less than a thousand followers on Instagram, like holy less shit. than 10k on TikTok. Holy yeah. shit. So, oh my God. It's just, it's cool. Like that's another thing is maybe you've had misses but like the the hits and the successes you've had you've really proven it right like jeremy breakins steven yeah like all of these artists even you hitting me up about savage gasp like you fucking called that shit so early like there is something there where it's like i don't know i don't know what that is but it's like clearly you've proven it yeah that's cool thank you man yeah yeah thank you Good God. Yeah. So, but even I guess before then, too, uh, bef- well, I guess during that time, hmm. right after Steven, hmm. probably like two or three months later, I was working out in my, you know, in my gym. Yeah. And I was listening to Discover Weekly on Spotify. Yeah. And I was like mid reps. Yeah. <laughs> and I just like completely stopped what i was doing the song came on and i was like this is so fucking good what is this look at my phone romeo and juliet peter mcpoland oh my I was god like, this is interesting click <laughs> it I click his instagram like, let's see this incredibly looking you know kid yeah and i'm listening to a song that's just hitting me in all the right places at the same time looking at the picture of him I'm like wow so i go to his tiktok and he already has probably like 30,000 followers on TikTok. Okay. And, but I didn't, I looked at his Instagram and this is like very rare where I have no mutuals. No one was following him, which was weird. Like, very. I have a lot of industry friends, like people that are on stuff that I always say, oh, this person's following all the time. They're on it. You know that. It's Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. zero. And I listened to a few of his other songs on Spotify. I was blown away. There's a song called I Love You Too that, was out at the time. It's, one, it's probably still one of my favorite songs by Peter. Yeah. Anyway, I reached out to him on Instagram. I was like, yo, I just found the song Robin Juliet. So good. Would love to jump on a Zoom with you. Can you send me some of your unreleased songs? He mm-hmm. sent me four unreleased songs. Again, instantly. The first time I heard it, I knew yeah. that I wanted to manage him. Yeah. Do you so, get a similar feeling? Like out of all these artists we've talked about? Like, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just that gut feeling that when I listen to the music, I look at the image of the artist, I talk to them, yep. I hear their vision, I hear you know, how they view things in their head. Mm-hmm. It just, everything clicks. Mm-hmm. You know, It's just like everything's mm-hmm. clicking. And that's how it felt when I got on a Zoom with Peter and we met. And uh, a week later, I drove to Rhode Island where he was living at the time with his family. We met in person. He sang a few songs for me on the piano and guitar. And yeah, I, I left you know, that day being his manager. Oh my God. And, um, you still work with him today? Yeah, I still yeah, work with yeah. Peter. Yeah, we've been working together for probably about a year and a half, maybe a little over. I've working with Breakins for over two years now. And so. God, yeah. dude, like the, the track record that you have proven, like all of these artists and the trajectory, like have you had mi- like misses? Are there artists I don't know of? Like, you don't obviously don't need to say names, <laughs> but like ha- are there artists that I don't see in this path where you've been wrong? Like straight uh, up, like I'm like, are I guess you just, literally just this I guess good it at just it? like depends what you consider wrong. Okay. You yeah. know, like if 
every artist that I've worked with for long periods of time, like they have this dream, you know, like even the artists that like, you know, maybe didn't pan out to like where Peter level or Breakings level, like, yeah, like they have probably like 50 million streams on Spotify or yeah, there, there's been a number of artists that has, has success, but yeah, there was one artist that I stopped working with after a few months. That was kind of a miss, but like they kind of came to me and were like, look, I, I can't work on music right now. I'm just not in the headspace. Uh, and I was like, totally cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, in terms of misses, like Everything that I've worked with, I've been able to build where yeah. there were streams and there was like a fan base there, you know, like there's, yeah. there's been none that just completely nothing. Cause I think about that and it's like, I don't want to paint this picture or have this podcast be this thing of like, I'm a fucking superhero and I don't miss. But like what I think about with that is not that as the message, but how much you trust your gut and how much you have a quality, a standard for quality. Yeah. Because you said it in the very beginning. And don't get me wrong, like there's like tons of mistakes that I've made along the way and like I'm not super human at all. Mm. Like there's, yeah, there's a lot of learning experiences that I've had Mm. and, you know, places that I fucked up and I learned from. Mm. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not super. I just want to clarify. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't want, yeah. like, that's not my vibe is to like have somebody come on and be like, no. you're the fucking best. Like no, nothing no, no. ever went wrong, but I'm not like that. I genuinely am impressed. Like it stands out to me yeah. of like, good God, your track record on finding shit is crazy. Yeah. Thank it's you. It's crazy. Thank you. But I, I think now in understanding your story and you telling it, I think the reason that I feel is just that you really do have a very high standard of quality and you're very honest, like brutally honest about like, is this good? Yeah. Right. Cause I think it's easy to kind of drink the Kool-Aid of like seeing the hype, Yeah. but I, it feels like you just have a very good barometer of like, is this actually good? Yeah. And, and also what you said, like I am brutally honest with mm. all the artists that I work with. Mm. Um, if I'm thinking something like they know, I'm yeah. very, yeah. I'm very to the point. Yeah. Uh, I'm honest and yeah, and yeah, I'll always give feedback on, on what I think, even if it's not good feedback. I think that you should always live by your truth. Mm. And, um, Scooter Braun actually had a quote that like, I really resonated with where he said like, live and die by your truth. Mm. Because if your truth is going to be the reason you die in a relate in a relationship or a working relationship, yeah. at least it was your truth. Right. You know? Yeah. So I really live by that. And I'm always honest about what I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, that's really good. So I kind of have like two questions to conclude this because again, I feel like you are one of those rare managers that like kids look up to you. Like you've built this name and like you're young and cool and like you don't take yourself like, (laughs) you know, like you're not like this unattainable person, but I think that like that translates to like the young kids. And I think that it's probably a smaller group, but I would say that my listeners are interested in the industry side, maybe even more than being an artist. So for somebody listening to this that is familiar with you and like has followed your career and seen it, is there a piece of advice that you could give to that person, maybe a young version of yourself or somebody who is like the valuable bits that you've learned along the way that could help somebody get to where you're at now? Yeah, I think that something that I don't, that I didn't know super early on is the law of attraction. Mm. And that's something that I really live by. And I think that has really helped manifest a lot of the things that I've achieved and the things that I've done. Whoa. Um, yeah. So I, there's this book that I learned from 
Big Sean and Mike Posner. Okay. I'm a big fan of, I follow a lot of what Mike does. I relate to him a lot oh of ways. Like, yeah. Dude, get me fucking started <laughs> on him. Yeah. Huge respect yeah. and inspiration. Same. And so. he talked about this book that Big Sean showed him called Ask and Is Given. It's all about the law of attraction and manifesting, you know, what you want into your life. Yes. And I read that book, uh, you know, early in my career and just started practicing a lot of things. It was talking about the, the power of, you know, if you really feel something mm-hmm. with everything in you mm-hmm. and you visualize what you want mm-hmm. and you're able to feel it before you have it, that you do have it, that's going to manifest. And it's not magic, right? It's just, okay, if I convince myself that I have something before I have it, subconsciously in your brain, you're going to start acting in ways in your day-to-day life that are going to attract that into your life, right? So it's like, if I think, oh, like I have my dream job, then you start saying yes to things or approaching people in conversations or saying certain things that you wouldn't say or do if you, in your mind, were in the negative side of, I want this, I don't have it, why don't I have it, thinking of the negative parts of it. But if you can sit down every day and just like feel it, write it down, that I think is super, super helpful in attracting like what you want out of life, even like no matter where you are in your life. I think that's something that I would definitely tell everyone to like look into at an early age. For a listener that might not be watching, I am smiling so big right (laughs) now because I fuck with that so heavily. And that's been something that I have like that energy and that feeling and applying that is something that I believe in so wholeheartedly. And I've never heard somebody explain it quite like that. And you did such like, God, dude, fucking preach. Yeah. Three books that have changed my life. Please. Asking is given. Yeah. The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. Who just got featured on Kendrick's album, which I thought was so sick. He's he's talking all over the album. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Crazy. Um, And then... As you know, music related. Yeah, all you need to know about the music business by Donald Passman. Wow, yeah. So anybody trying to get involved in the music business, yeah, I would say read the latest edition of Donald Passman's book. Yeah, all you need to know about the music business. Yep, because that will give you a broad, you know, that will give you like the broad strokes. Yeah, of the music business. Yeah, dude, that was a. I, I read that book and it was it's a heavy read. Like you yeah, have to like really apply yourself it's really and it detail. gets gritty yeah. and like you really get into some specifics. But I think that if you give a shit and you yeah. do go into those specifics and you clarify the stuff you don't know and read into it, that's your Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So read that. I think two things that I said throughout this interview that would, would you know, be my advice is just do it. Just go for it. Just start something. Learn as you go. Figure it out. Fail. Fuck up. But just get started at an early age because it's all about learning experiences, right? Yeah, putting the hours in. Getting putting the hours in, the 10,000 hours is what yeah. it's all about. And the second thing is try to get in touch with your gut instinct because that's going to steer you in the right direction. If you have a strong gut instinct, that's what's going to be consistently steering your ship throughout your career. Like yeah. that's all you have, right? Yeah. So at an early age, try to get in touch with that. That like... You fucking killed it with that advice there. And like, my God, like you just like that, take those things and apply that in a career and you're fucking good. That's <laughs> sick. And then I have another question on the other side. 
for someone who is an artist who sees what you're doing and wants to get involved. And it's like, damn, if only I had a manager like Danny or Danny to sign me to his label, what do you think an artist could do to properly get onto your radar? What are some best practices as an artist to yourself or anyone actually in the industry? Like, what do you think as far as getting noticed right now in 2022? Like what's, what's the best practice? First and foremost, put your 10,000 hours in and make great music or make music that's good enough to build a fan base. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, like I said, not enough people are putting the attention into that. They want a quick fix. They want that like immediate reaction, immediate fan base. Yeah. I think it takes some time still, Mm -hmm. even with like the power of TikTok, Mm. it's still going to take some time. Mm. So put the music first, but then yeah, start building a fan base. I think that's the most important thing you can do as an artist that's listening to this, like build your fan base on your own. It doesn't take a manager to start building things. You know, you can start on your own, putting your music out, promoting yourself on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, like all these platforms. It's so easy to put yourself out there now that you can build your fan base on your own. You Mm -hmm. can start at least. And then once you do that, you're going to attract your team. Yeah. It's it doesn't work to try to reach out to people and be like, "Hey, can you manage me? Hey, can you sign me?" Like that doesn't the steps are usually backwards. work. You got to build up your fan base or build up your music to the point where that's going to be what attracts your manager like. Yeah. Johnny and I talk about this analogy of like if your if your team, if your label, your manager, your agent are the gasoline to pour on a fire, that you still you get nothing if you're pouring gas on the sidewalk and there's no fire. It's yeah. just going to dissolve, right? Yeah. So you as the artist need to start that fire. And then once there's 100%. a fire, your team yeah. can be that gasoline. And if the team is the, is the gasoline, like it's not going to last because teams, you know, you have to be at your core. Wow. Like, you know, doing a lot of work. Like, yeah, it takes a lot of work. Yeah. And like, as an artist, like you can't be dependent on your team to do everything for you because that won't last. Like Mm. you need to be able to, you know, have a vision as well and know as an artist, you need to know like what you want your music to sound like and what you want your vision, like that has to be there. It can't all come from outside sources because fans can, they can smell that shit. Like they know when it's not authentic. Right. Yeah. Fuck, dude. Yeah, that's so crazy. Is like you really, it's kind of fucked. It's like if you want a team, if you want to be signed, if you want a label, you have to build it yourself first. Like you have to not need it before you get it almost. Yeah. 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 I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's great advice too. Yeah. It reaffirms a lot of what I've felt, but I think you can very strongly vouch and speak to that. So that's really cool. Yeah. That this was, awesome. was insane. Yeah. Like I, I, it's crazy again, like, Ever since it was brought up and somebody mentioned you, I was like, yeah, holy shit. I I would love that episode. And this has been above and beyond what I expected. Talking about the books that have influenced you and some of your practices like affirms things that I've felt. But like, you know, that feeling when you kind of think you're like, oh, this is probably the right path. But then you have somebody that you really respect that says it and you're like, fuck, yeah, it's the right path. Like that's (laughs) right now what I'm feeling where I'm just like. I feel fucking seen for, you, for all of Hell those yeah. things. And it, it's, it explains a lot of your success to me. And I'm like, yeah, no shit, he's successful. So 
what a fucking privilege to do this with you thank you dude thank you man this yeah. is great i love it oh yeah appreciate it thank you all right there you go the danny racco episode i am so impressed and inspired by him i hope you left that episode with that same feeling i just i really do feel something with him where he does it for the right reasons and he still has such a fire and a passion to do what he loves and has taken a lot of risks to continue doing that at higher and higher levels it's the exact guest that i want to have on the podcast and i hope that translated if it did, I'm really trying to grow this podcast. It means so much to me. And if you're here at the end and you liked this and you want to help me, there's a couple things you can do that are totally free that are massively helpful. The first is very simple, kind of a no-brainer, but share it with a friend. Word of mouth is the absolute biggest way for anything to grow, podcasts included. So if you don't mind, take a second right now and send this episode to a friend that you think could use it or that you think would enjoy it. Outside of that... Outside of that, of course, you can subscribe wherever you listen, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you found this podcast and listen, make sure to hit subscribe, leave a comment, leave feedback. All of that helps it continuously get discovered and rank in algorithms and all that good stuff. And if you want to go crazy above and beyond, there's a Where Are All My Friends Patreon patreon.com slash where are all my friends any amount of support helps the podcast is entirely independent and basically survives off of people supporting there i might get into doing some ads soon so in that case the patreon will be the place where you can hear the podcast without any ads but for right now that is the entire way that the podcast continues to go so any support there is super helpful make sure to follow danny on all of his socials i'll link to that keep an eye on what he's doing i promise you if he's posting about an artist they're gonna be good you can follow me as well follow diana the incredible producer and editor of this podcast i'll have her here add your add the stuff yeah you know i'll link there it's always linked all right that says it thank you for listening i'll be back next week with another episode oh also tell me people you want to hear from the reason danny did this episode was somebody was saying how much they wanted to hear from him we knew each other it ended up happening it was incredible so for that reason i'm always listening i always want to hear who you want to hear from so let me know that cool i'm done talking thank you for listening goodbye